listeners, welcome to Season 2 of Mission 7 of Rogue Padron. Today on the show, we have Corin in trouble, Noir Ven to the rescue, Not Such a Safe House, Fast and Furious Coruscant Drift, and Gavin's Not a Bigot. Surprise. <laughs> This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. I can't tell you how much fun I had writing Fast and Furious Coruscant Drift. Coruscant Drift is so good. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly, exactly what, what it was. <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. Okay, listeners. To promote Rogue Six's Star Wars creature madness, today <gasps> our intros are going to remind you about which host would be what creature. So oh we my have yes. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even ask for this. <laughs> we have Rogue Seven, Seth, who's a lug beast because it's hard to tell whether or not she's a robot. I love it so much. I love lug beast. Yes, <laughs> so perfect. Seth, a beast. We have Rogue Three, Heath, who is the loth cat because he's cute, but he's also probably going to bite your hand off. Yeah, <laughs> good. We have Rogue Six, Danny, who is a pergil because why wouldn't he be a majestic space whale? Nice. <laughs> and I'm Meg, rogue leader, who is obviously a puffer pig because I'm easily startled. Oh, and remember, they're also the cutest thing. If Rogue Pod was a creature, it would be a Dainaga because we live for trash. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm gonna stick some outro music on this, and we're gonna call it a good episode. <laughs> we need to give Meg a raise. Yeah, here for the trash. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of trashy romance, I oh nope, no Rogue One question because guess what? We still don't know anything about Rogue One. So let's what talk the... about Poe Dameron. What's Rogue instead. One? What? Oh, Rogue One is a movie that is apparently happening, but you wouldn't know it. Haven't heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next week we will have. Anyway. But did someone say Poe Dameron? I, I did. Heath, your hosting game is on point right now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I practiced. <laughs> so we, uh, we've we been hearing little snippets about the Poe Dameron comic all week, actually. And um, Poe Dameron Day is April 6th when issue number one hits the stand. So uh, get ready for that. Uh, we're hoping that it'll be a national holiday, of course. And... Uh, Today we got a little article that said that the writer is um, going to make the first dark a straight-up weird 70s sci-fi comic story. So, what do you think about that? I'm hella keen for that. So yeah. ready. Yeah. I'm all I about mean, it. I'm imagining the fashions Poe is going to get to wear, and it just delights <laughs> me. Yes. Oh my gosh. I hope Disco Poe. Poe yes, po oh. better get a space cape. At some like point. a deep V-neck with a space cape yes! and bell bottoms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think he ever had an Absolutely. afro? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my or god, Poe with an afro. Po. 
No. Yes, please. Yes. So many, so many beautiful options out there. It. The article about this also said there's a prison story and an espionage tale, which like, I can't wait to see what that is. I just, I want '70s style Poe to be breaking someone out of prison so badly. It's gonna oh, be man. so good. I'm so excited for this. This sounds like the best thing ever. Yep. Uh, like, I haven't really followed the other comic lines, but I'm really glad to see that this is going to feel, at least from the descriptions, is going to be a little more fun and a little more new and different than what we usually see in Star Wars comics. Like, obviously there's a lot of broody, um, you know, finding yourself kind of stuff, but I'm looking like for a straight up adventure and that's what it sounds like it's going to be. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Like so excited. I'm actually I think I'm gonna meet the author this weekend because he's coming to a con over here. And I can't promise I won't just burst into tears about Poe Dameron and right in front of him. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> Take a selfie. Good. But also, because he wrote he wrote Lando too, and that was a really mm-hmm. good mini series. So I'm really excited for him to be writing this this Poe Dameron series. Didn't we also? Yeah, Marvel also announced this week that they're going to be releasing Poe Dameron buttons. Yeah. Oh my god, I want all the buttons. So my god. Everyone is excited for Poe Dameron. I think this comic is going to do really well. I think it's going to be really cool. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Amazing, because they were going to kill him off originally, and now they're making a comic about him. Now he's the best character. He's most desirable. <laughs> sure. So, so good. good. They gotta yeah. get I all think their Poe get... Dameron out till they kill him off in episode 8, right? Oh, yeah, true. Sure. <laughs> I think this comic will bring in a lot of, like, new TFA fans into the Star Wars comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, good move, Marvel. Yeah. Yep. Very excited. And I do like that. I mean, going back to the original point, I like that they're not afraid to give it a a kind of a weird and new and different style, too. And Mm -hmm. if anyone can do that, it's Charles Soule. Because, again, like uh, Saf said, Lando was awesome. It had a very distinct tone and style. Um, Haven't read the Obi-Wan and Anakin one that he's writing, but I've heard great things about that, too. So I just think that this is going to be so great. Kind of want a podcast about it, to be honest. We We will. We will. We will. See you in 20 years when we get through the actual X-Wing books. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, let's start the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry while we can. So today we're talking about chapters 22 through 26. And chapter 22 thankfully gives us what we feed off of, even though sometimes oh we gosh. don't actually want to see it. So, so much trash. I was I was so reading this trash. chapter on the bus, and I was like, I had to like pause, and I was like, do I do I really want to keep reading this in public? What's happening? Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't know how far it goes, so for you, I'm sure it's extra scary. Let yeah, I was a little bit. Know. I was a little bit nervous. Just like hiding my Kindle like beneath my bag as I read it. I feel like that with every kiss scene. I'm just like, oh no, I'm not reading like trashy stuff. But like, really, so not only are you reading Star Wars novel on the bus, but it's basically Star Wars erotica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I went for the double whammy there. So I am the most awkward person to watch reading anything. Like even like even people kissing. If I'm reading that, I just get really like really really tense and like kind of nervous and like so. <laughs> Someone's discover what I'm reading. 
I get so awkward, it's so bad. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Corellia. Oh, gosh. You know, oh, that's there was a one point thing. where it says, like, he's looking at her in shades of, like, she's co- colored in shades of gray or something, and I, like, had yeah. to stop reading laugh. Yeah. You're just like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> How is this going to go? <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. So, at the beginning, Corin, Aracy, and Rima head back to their quarters. Corin obviously feels like a buffoon, and Aracy keeps giving him brave smiles, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. <laughs> it's okay that you embarrassed yourself, Corin. We'll we'll get through this together. You can do I it. I still love Corin. You're still very handsome, if nothing You're still else. so handsome. Be brave. You're, you're, you're stupid, but pretty. <laughs> So Corin attempts to apologize to Rima, once again thinking it's all about him. And that's what I noticed in this exchange, is that Corin keeps relating it back to, this is exactly what happened to me when I went through this thing, rather than thinking about, this is how other people feel. (laughs) So he's trying, but he's not really learning his lesson. He's got like a lack of empathy somewhat, like he, he cares about people a lot, but he just cannot put himself in their shoes without it being about him like he doesn't have that ability and i'm just like oh you poor boy like you're trying so hard but you just can't do it you can't it has to be about corn and erisi finally says something worthwhile when she's kind of mediating between rima and corin right now and she says her people are pitied for something over which they had no control the gulf between pity and respect is vast when their tragedy is denigrated and that seemed to be what you were doing you strip away the respect and reduce them to a pathetic state and while they do not want to be pitied their actions cannot be judged without bearing in mind the tragedy that underscores their lives so i was so impressed with erisi at this point (laughs) Um, just because she has never said anything poignant before, and then yeah. surprise this feeling about Alderaan, right? Um, which I was like, oh, good for you. Maybe you're not 100% like useless. <laughs> <laughs> surprise! Surprise, you're not just a slim waist. Yay! <laughs> Because, I mean, up until now, she's really only been used as, uh, like, we never actually hear much about her flying in the X-Wing or what her skills are. We only see her interacting with Corin in the flirty, romantic way. And so but finally, she has, object. To, yeah, she has yeah. something for herself, like, in this point. So, good for her. Also, mad oh, props to Rima during this interaction because Corin apologizes. And instead of Rima being like damn right you're sorry she basically says no we we were both in the wrong it's okay right reem is awesome yeah which corin has to be treated like a child because he is a child oh my god he's such a child (laughs) literal child (laughs) he's the worst right (laughs) i like why is he the character we stuck with (laughs) i feel like i need to i keep hearing people who have read all the books talk about like how great Corn is. So, like, I'm assuming something is going... Like, I'm assuming he's going to change at some point. Because, like, uh, right now, I'm not jazzed about Corrin and find him mostly just annoying and just intolerable. Personally, I don't particularly find Corrin to be admirable until the New Jedi Order. So... Okay. AKA so, 20 years from these books. <laughs> 
Yeah. For our purposes, he's going to be insufferable. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, like, he does have some development that's going to occur, but, again, I think it's framed in his mindset of it's still all about Corin, And oh. so, although he makes these mistakes and he learns that he's wrong and, like, kind of grows from that, not in a way that I think we would like to see to see him. Yep. So... He does have a very long arc in all of Star Wars, though, so it does happen. Okay. Yeah. We should read every book and this is also Horn, when... Horn is in on Rogue Padron. Oh, gosh. That's doable. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we not? <laughs> <laughs> this, of course, is also when Korn figures out that, like, Oh, Alderanians working in the Rebellion provides them a way to seek vengeance and earn respect. As if that wasn't super obvious before. <laughs> so, thanks, Corn. Good job. And so they part ways, and Eresi ends up going back. They're sharing a room, but they're not really sharing a room. They each have their own room, but for pretend purposes, they go into the same room. And <laughs> they, she immediately starts necking on like- him immediately <laughs> he has just enough time to see that no one was in the room and tampered with things and then like it gets down bum, 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 she's bum. been holding it in since he uh, made out with her in the cafe though right hella yeah he's totally been because <laughs> she's been ready that's why that's what her brave smiles have been about <laughs> He traced his tongue from the hollow of her throat to her, her earlobe. Is he an ear guy? <laughs> Apparently. He's like, he's, legit, he's literally licking her face. <laughs> it's Corin, a thing of curly eye bed. Different Corin, what teeth. are you doing? <laughs> I don't she's think a- she likes it. <laughs> I think she I does. think she really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in this chapter indicated that she disliked anything Corin yeah, that's does. True. That's true. Except stop. <laughs> oh, God. So oh, she even they liked end... it when he stopped. That's true. She was like, I'm likes so into this. She likes everything about Corin. <laughs> so they get to a point where she actually pulls him onto the bed on top of her. But, so they of course... To each other, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some R-rated naps going on. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite euphemism of all time now. <laughs> I'm gonna go take an R-rated nap. <laughs> that post oh. is our Rogue Potter and hashtag of the week. <laughs> I'm tweeting it right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so while he's actively making out with Eresi, he's also trying to rationalize what's going on. And he thinks Once like, again, that- we're treated to another four pages of Corin's inner monologue. <laughs> oh my so god. This time it's happening while he's got his tongue down Eresi's throat. No, in her earlobe. <laughs> on her ear. No! On her face. Just everywhere on her face. The word now began to ricochet around in his skull, releasing all sorts of memories. Corin, you should be thinking about something else right now. God. 
How can you be thinking about this right now? Oh, remember that one time? <laughs> Corin. He is literally thinking about his dad. Yeah, I was just gonna and say. His father, <laughs> father and Gilbestra, who are like lecturing him about how, well, criminals always get caught, and that's why criminals are stupid because they live in the now. And so, like, saying that you live in the now is a huge trigger for Corin. <laughs> And the worst part is that if Erisi were to ask him what he was thinking about in that moment, she'd be super into it, too. He'd be like, oh, my yeah. dad, Hal Horn. He'd be like, okay, I'll think about your dad, too. <laughs> I, too, think about Hal Horn during my R-rated naps. <laughs> <laughs> quote of the week. <laughs> I definitely regret that quote. No, it's the best. Oh, my gosh. And... So, so he's convinced that living in the now is going to is going to make his entire world fall down around him because that's how it always happens with criminals, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so he's like on top of her in bed and Cora now remembers how not sleeping with the Ella was the right decision. Oh my god. And <laughs> So now he's thinking, well, all of these things that we're feeling and this thing that we're doing, it's all circumstantial and maybe it's not the right choice and all of these doubts and he can't shake the feeling that this isn't right. And so he pulls away from her and like lays down next to her. And Erisi actually isn't offended that Corin pulls away. She finds his hesitation endearing. Uh, and because he's so she confused by this. I know, he's like, like what? I pulled away. Aren't I the greatest thing ever? Why aren't you offended by this? What's going on? <laughs> Why don't I get praised for stopping? <laughs> because you're a decent human being, Corin. <laughs> I guess. So, she feels that most men don't consider their emotions when making decisions. But the fact that Corin does makes him a worthwhile pursuit. Which... I feel like they're kind of made for each other in the way where they don't actually know what the other person's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's okay if they get together because they're both going to assume different reasons for their actions than what's actually going on. So, yeah, that's they're true. fine. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It is kind of a weird one, yeah. Those two have a weird dynamic. They have a really weird dynamic because... Like, Corin can't figure out Erisi besides, like, anything that's on the surface. And the same goes the other way, because she thinks, you know, that he's this really emotionally in tune, like, super amazing pilot. And that's, I feel like, really all she knows about him. And he has some tragic backstory, whatever. Whatever. But not, she doesn't actually know what's going on inside Corin's head. We do, Honestly, and we know it doesn't connect. Yeah. I'm starting to like Erisi more and more. Like, I have a feeling I'm gonna, I'm supposed to dislike her at some point, but at the moment, I'm just like, I don't know what's happening with you, but you do what you want. I respect that. I like her. Yeah, I mean, she's not a bad character. It's just that she was the foil to play off of Mirax, who is obviously written as supposed to be the more sympathetic, charming one, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
because oh she's friends with Wedge and oh she's getting over hers her family's history to be friends with Corin and she's taking it slow rather than being more promiscuous and like all of these things that aren't actually good or bad right it's just that we've been taught that these things mean certain things so there's yeah, an interesting yeah. re- reversal happening here too that I I'm just now kind of noticing is that like usually in like romantic comedies and things and like really just movies of whatever when they're portraying like the man and the woman in these stereotypical gender roles like the guy is more like heiressy where he's just kind of like shallow and just wants one thing and the girl is Mm -hmm. the one who you like see in her head and she's like thinking a million different things constantly overanalyzing everything so Mm -hmm. in a way he's kind of reversed those stereotypes a little bit which is you know heteronormativity aside is kind of nice yeah yeah Totes. So, different stuff going on here. I think the only character I actively dislike is Kirtan Lore, just because he's so dumb. <laughs> so, so yeah. useless. Yep. So, Erisi thinks that now they just need some time alone to cool down. And Corn continues flirting with her, even though he should definitely cut it out. And... Erisi makes a joke about a hapen prince sweeping off her, sweeping her off her feet, which is funny because that's exactly what happens to Leia in the courtship of Princess Leia, is that she's courted by a hapen prince and Han gets super jealous and oh my god, buys a it for her and it's a it's people think <clears throat> that book is trash and that was my very first Star Wars book and I love it to death so I have oh my god my I friend- want I want to read it now if it's trash. I mean, trash my romance. friend bought me a physical copy of that. Like, she just found it at a fair, a book fair, and she's like, oh, it's a Star Wars book. I'll buy it for my friend. She gave it to me, and I was like, I've never heard of this, but it looks amazing. I haven't read it yet, because I'm trying to oh, read it, like, so chronologically. It's but so I'm good. so excited. It has a rainbow so, on side cover. Point, there's a side point, and it takes place on then Dathomir, which has been, you know, retconned, obviously. But, so there's rancors. There's domesticated rancors. And a oh woman-centric village... And one of the women takes Luke to be her breeding mate. Okay, <laughs> it's so really excellent. I know I did talking about this ten minutes ago, but we should probably take a break from the X-wing books at some point to Rogue Quadrant, <laughs> the courtship of Princess Leia. My copy is signed. I'm very proud. <laughs> we should, even if it's just like if we do the whole thing in one episode and like yeah, don't yeah. discuss everything. Yeah, yes. but it's just it's really fun. It's good. So. Okay. Back to Rogue Squadron. Corrin <laughs> goes out for a walk. And he's thinking about his past. And there's a saying, you know, an old Jedi saying, being like, well, there's no such thing as luck. There's only the Force. And so then the Corillian, the Cor- Corsac redid it. So there's no such thing as luck. Just the Corillian security force when criminals get caught, which is awful. So, so lame. They oh should feel God. ashamed of themselves. They should erase themselves for that one. Right. Especially because Corellia has kind of a different history with Jedi, like, back in the day. So, they shouldn't be taking stuff from Jedi at all. We find out also, just for background notice, Corsac has been dissolved, and its resources have allocated to a new security group. And so Corrin is losing more and more of what he thought of as his history and who he was and his dad and crap like that. Um, especially because right now he's not wearing his Jedi medallion because the Elder Kraken said that'd be a bad idea. And Whistler yep. has it stored in a secret compartment, which, okay. 
<laughs> Important details. Right. He couldn't just, like, leave it behind. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's stored in a safe, in a Whistler's secret compartment. Okay, Corrin. <laughs> so Corrin figures out that he's losing focus on his life. And he's only been thinking about in terms of negative things that have happened to him since his dad died. So, his obviously his dad dying, Lore letting Bosk free, him having to go on the run and leave Corsac, all of the different identities he's had to be with, the, the difficulties in Rogue Squadron. So, he needs to think about the things he can control and really focus on his mission because that's all he has. <laughs> Which is kind of depressing, but whatever. Corrin ends up deeper in Coruscant than he meant to go, and he heads over to a trashy bar called The Headquarters. Corrin obviously sticks out like a sore thumb because of his clothes and his kind of jerky better-than-you attitude. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Corrin gonna Corrin. (laughs) Story of your life. And while he tries to fit in, he spots Tycho conversing with Kirtan Lore. No, he does not. I don't believe this for a second. He, it is not Tycho. Something else is happening. Oh, I think we are meant. We are meant to believe it is Tycho. Oh, it's definitely Tycho. No, no, we're meant to believe that Tycho Tycho is doing insidious things by conversing with Kiritan lore. But maybe it was part of Tycho's mission. Yeah, I think it was part of Tycho's undercover identity. Okay, I I could accept that. I I'll I'll accept that too. So Corey, obviously. Oh, go ahead. I I believe like so, like something's going on. Obviously, like it's trying to be like, oh, oh, look, he is the traitor, but like he's not going to be. Right. It's, it's no. too easy. Right. Don't be a Corin and automatically think he's a traitor because that's what Corin does. Is that he's trying to run after him because it's it's Kirtan Lore who he hates the most, and then it's Tycho who betrayed him and broke his heart for no reason, <laughs> just in his head. So, but unfortunately. While he tries to get over there, Corrin bumps into a Tradosian, who is kind of mad about it, and is going to probably kill him, because that's what you do that many levels under Coruscant. Before that can happen, in walk Zeka Thine and Inyiri Forge, who are definitely going to kill Corrin. Corrin, no good, very bad, totally terrible day. Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That's true, but I think someone else is also having that kind of day. And so in chapter 23, we head back to Invisec with Gavin being marched to his doom. Meg, oh, that was Gavin. an ace segue. It was so good. It was Mad so drops. good. <laughs> the other rogues are in tow, but they're allowed to keep their blasters without power packs, and they aren't being held like a prisoner like Gavin is. Sheila's is obviously super pissed, but Errol and Oral are buffering him so he doesn't just start ripping people's throats out. They end up in a warehouse-like building, drawing, and they draw a huge crowd of aliens that have been living and hiding all around. And we also find the leader of their, um, what's it called? The alien? It is... Alien Combine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that simple. We find the leader of the Erling Combine, who is a Devorian named Demainal. What, what's he named, Meg? Demainal. The moment I saw that name in there, and I was like, I feel so sorry for me. 
So Domino comes out and he studies Gavin and he calls him very handsome, but also perfect to send a message to the Imperials. <laughs> Good so now we know that Gavin's handsome. <laughs> and steps Noir Van, attorney at law, to the rescue. Oh my god, yes. So good. <laughs> This is so good. This is an excellent part. So cue, cue Noir, that Law and Order theme song. Yep, with the big dun dun in the background. He questions Asir about why she automatically labeled Gavin as a bigot. He gives really plausible explanations for Gavin's relief. He considered her an aggressive, beautiful Bothan to be a threat to him as much as a stormtrooper because one, he's undercover. Two. <laughs> He is not good with confrontation. <laughs> he's probably never had a woman ask him to dance before. He's like ten years old. Yeah, he's such a baby. You're so like Noir Van gives him all of these like really rational reasons why Gavin would not feel comfortable in this situation. And while he's doing it, he also expertly skates around the truth that they are undercover, but still accurately depicts Gavin's state of mind. He's so good at this. So good. And Noir calls the tribunal out, saying that this show of force is super similar to what the Empire does, that they don't give people fair trials, they just harangue them into, like, a big group by force and just immediately put them to death to send a message, right? Very Imperial. And, of course, everyone's like, oh, how could you say that? That's so mean. But so true right now. He goes further on to say that humans have suffered as much as others at the hand of the Empire, although in different ways. A lot of humans weren't made into be slaves like Solicens and Wookiees were, but Alderaan blew up. Humans still suffer a lot at the hands of the uh, at the hands of the Empire. So Noara points out that without humans, the rebellion would have never flourished, it would have never had the victories it had, and it would have never had beings like Admiral Akbar and Nian Num fight with them to victory. All very good points. Of course, Demainal is unimpressed and still calls for Gavin's execution. But before that can happen, the building is ambushed with explosions and a floating fortress by Imperials. Gavin's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Yep. But he's not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) It's also true, because we head back to the people who think that they're safe in the safe house. Because it's called a safe house. Never, never trust the safe house. Just don't even bother. It's there in the name. (laughs) It's wrong, it lied to you. We have Rima showing up at the safe house, and we find her true identity, Winter! This would be so much more exciting to me if I'd read the other books. Yes. I'm like, I know of Winter, and I had a feeling this could have been that Winter, but I'm like, I don't know who she is, or her relation to any of the characters in the EU. Yeah, so, a quick primer on Winter. So, she has, she's basically always been Leia's protector, and confidant i think like it's not necessarily a bodyguard role but in the way where she has always been by leia's side has sometimes acted as a body double like you know a handmaiden right um and she's just super smart super skilled and leia eventually convinces winter that she needs to go do missions by her own that she doesn't need her like 
she doesn't need to waste her time protecting Leia anymore. <laughs> that she needs to be employed elsewhere because she could do more good doing other things. So you see her a lot throughout the breadth of the EU. Um, usually with Leia sometimes by herself working on missions like this. Okay, cool. She sounds cool. I like her already. She's really great. She's, yeah. she's a really likable character. And when the Princess Leia comic came out, I know a lot of people... Before we knew who... Oh, what's her name? Yvonne. Yeah, well, who Yvonne was. Everyone's like, oh, it's winter. They're canonizing winter. But, alas, uh, they didn't know. I'm okay with that, because I like Yvonne a lot. Right. It's okay. We can still have winter. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So Winter knew to come to the safe house because of the dress parameters Iella set while shopping with Mirax, which is super clever, and I totally forgot about that part, but good for them. We get a little update about the status of Alliance Intelligence there, and we find out that they aren't able to slice into the central computer, but they can regularly slice into auxiliary hubs to get information or to, like, change really small things going out. But still, if they could get into the central computer, that means they could take the shields down, which is kind of the whole point of the rogues being on Coruscant. Winter casually brings up the incident of her companion seeing Lore, and, of course, at that moment, Yella and Mirax both figure out, Oh my god, it's Corin. I Which... so wanted this conversation to then lead to Yella and Mirax both revealing that they are romantically interested in Corin, And Winter <laughs> just being like, WTF is wrong with you people. She's like, why is everyone into this guy? Because <laughs> remember, Winter had a thing with Tycho, so she's had quality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's had quality. <laughs> and Yella was ready to divulge all of Corin's secrets, but Mirax stayed classy and said she has to pass because Corin's not here to defend himself. Which oh, I still want to know all of the secrets. I want to know all of his secrets because they're probably. I, want, all I just want a book that's just Yella telling all the secrets. And just right. revealing his embarrassing past. Cornhorn so revealed. <laughs> They're probably so bad. It's like, it's the Dumbledore book written by Rita Skeeter, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And apparently, as... They're just chatting in this chapter. They're pretty freely sharing information right now. Mm-hmm. Because you remember... When, like, Wedge and Pash first got, first met Iella, they obviously were really tight about, oh, well, I can't reveal that I know Corrin and all these other things. But now they're just like, oh, yeah, this is what our missions are. Oh, these are the rogues who are on Coruscant right now. Surprise, it's everybody. And just doesn't matter, I guess. Seems like a bad move. Yeah, that didn't, I, when I was reading that, I was like, why are you doing this? It doesn't seem wise. <laughs> So, every, like, Wedge has an update, basically, on everybody right now, except really what's going on with Gavin. But he knows that Gavin and everybody else are on the planet. I have a question. Yes. How did Winter get involved in this in the first place? Who was her contact? Because I know that she was assigned, like, is she just a, a random person that the Alliance knows and they stuck her on this mission? Or is she more connected in some way? No, she's in Rebel, she's in Alliance Intelligence. Okay. So they are just like, yeah. we need you to keep an eye on Ereci and Corrin. 
go do that. Right. So she was probably already in Coruscant as a deep agent. Sure. And then once this mission started, they probably contacted her and were like, hey, you have to babysit these two. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to need it. They're going to need it. We've got some questionable humans down there. And of course, the moment that she goes to check in at the safe house. Right. Of course, when that happens, Wedge notices a pattern of blaster bolts outside the window. And he figures out just in time... To tell everyone to get down and pull himself, to pull himself, Mirax, and Patch behind a tipped over couch that a speeder bike and its rider come flying through the window, crashing into the room. Gee, I wonder who that could be. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Then, in the next chapter, we head back to Corrin Horn, who is hopefully not doing so great right now. And Corrin manages to get away with some sweet karate moves, I guess. Um, because he's able to steal a blaster and a speeder bike and just gets the heck out of there. And the only reason he was able to get away was that he knew everybody in that cantina would let Patches kill him. So the Tradoshan who had the blaster to him hesitated and therefore let himself open for Corrin to take his stuff. Which, good job, Corrin. You're pretty good. And then literally the rest of the chapter is Corrin on a speeder bike. Yeah, it's all it's all too fast to Corrin for the rest of the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> too fast to Corrin. <laughs> because he's being pursued by other riders, he dives lower into the city and hopefully to lose them, then just all speeder bike stuff about how he's being tailed and you know how he tries to get away and how he gets away from the person who's tailing him is that he sends that speeder through the window of the safe house, not knowing it's the safe house. Wah, wah. Okay, what are the chances? That kind of bugged me. Honestly. Well, it gets it's even worse. So. <laughs> yeah, just wait. I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to get worse. But like, this is where it started, where I was like, okay. On this giant city planet, he happens to be on his little speeder bike chase right in front of the safe house where the other characters are. Like, really? He's just drawn to Mirax, obviously. I guess. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Because Corrin manages to get off his speeder bike, but when he turns to fight the rest of his pursuers, he sees that it's not just Black Sun anymore, it's also Imperial Stormtroopers. And it happens to be those same stormtroopers that are attacking Gavin and company. There was so definitely Gavin some dies. suspension of disbelief. I agree, Heath. But I also kind of liked how it all came together like this. Like well, it was yeah, cool to see it, like, the bits and pieces in each of the chapters and kind of see how they were going to connect. And, and like you could see this big collision coming, but it was also kind of fun yeah. to, to see it happen. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, it was a little too circumstantial. <laughs> I'm ultimately fine with it because, like, it makes the story and, like, brings the characters together. But, like, realistically, just no. This would never happen. (laughs) No. But in a world where space wizards are a thing, fine. I get it. Yeah. It's fine. It's the force. (laughs) What are the odds that Leia would happen to be flying over the planet of her long-lost brother the moment that she releases R2-D2 into the escape pod? Right. Okay, yeah. okay. It's the Force. Okay. <laughs> that is how the Force works. 
<laughs> okay, fair enough. Star Wars <laughs> is very convenient. It always has been, I guess. Yeah. It's just but sometimes it, with these things, you're like, this is a bit has to too be. convenient. Like, it has, it has to, be. to be. Yeah, it has to be. And ultimately, it's fine. But when you, like, think about it, it's a little weird. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I just won't think about it. That's our advice to our listeners. <laughs> just don't, don't think, think about, about it. About it. <laughs> don't spend like an hour dissecting four chapters from this book. Just don't do it. It's good. <laughs> While the stormtroopers are firing <laughs> in the warehouse, <laughs> Gavin dives and saves Asir from the blasts of a stormtrooper. And she returns the favor by pulling him out of the way after he misses shooting a trooper because he's still not very good yet. And Asir now believes he isn't a bigot. Hooray! Wow, is that all it took? <laughs> he just had to save for life. <clears throat> and side note, is Gavin left-handed? He's, they, he made it a point to say that he let off some shots with his left hand. So maybe Gavin's left-handed. Just FYI. Why not? As Gav- yeah, maybe. They're like, oh, look, it's diversity. He's left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> diversity. <laughs> As Gavin I- and Asir... <laughs> and to- I, I was just going to say, I can't believe they're shoving this agenda down our throat. <laughs> <laughs> this left-handed agenda. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> As Gavin and Asir exit the fortress, Corin is the one to pull him aside out of the line of fire. And we see that the others are there, except for Errol. It's fine. Gavin. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. The moment I saw that, like, I have, like, kin notes just in, like, this chapter where I, every time they mention Errol, it's just me going, no! Fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> God, I'm no. that dog that's got fire all around him. Yeah, you're like, this is fine. fine. <laughs> Well, she wasn't around for long. <laughs> Just oh longer than the last Rogue 2. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Rogue 2 is cursed. <laughs> God. against the dark arts teacher. <laughs> Gavin, of course, says that they can't leave without her. And he starts feeling guilty for because he thinks that all of this is his fault of for refusing oh. Spears dance. It's because maybe I really am a bigot. Oh, no. Oh, no. I never knew this about myself. <laughs> I'm learning so much. While outside, and they're trying to flee, Corin shoots down a speeder bike rider. And he runs over to take her, and we find out that it was Inyuri. Gavin comes over to help, and he carries her off to safety while Corin provides covering fire. So, plus one for Gavin being dreamy. Asir ends up leading them to one of their safe hiding places where they can tend to their wounded because they actually got Domainal and saved him and carried him out to this safe safe space as well. So equal opportunity saving everybody. Yay. Yeah. Uh, Inyiri is still pissed and Gavin divulges to Asir that they are Rogue Squadron. Because apparently the undercover mission just isn't a thing anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you don't know these people at all. Like at least with with Winter and Mirax, like Wedge knows that they can trust those two people. Right. But they but just to a, almost killed Bothan, them. <laughs> who B was literally just marching you to your death. 
<laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm in Rogue Squadron. We're Rogue Squadron. We look like this. <laughs> <laughs> Corrin explains that their mission is to liberate Coruscant. <laughs> Great. So, last week, we asked our listeners, how do you think... Hey. What, what's that? Oh, did you want me to finish the chapter? Uh, we're done, right? That's it. No, there's like two more lines. No, I'm pretty sure we're done. And no, also, I'm pretty that's sure my we have more Denny, Denny no. I know it's hard, but we've got to do it. That was it. So how did Kiritan lore decorate? So we've Errol, got to, Denny, Denny, we've got to, we've got to face this eventually. Oh. Denny, just do it. <laughs> Denny, Danny, rip the bandaid off. We skip over to Errol, and we find out that she got hit with explosion debris and was stuck in the rubble while trying to save a Solistan child. Oh. Yeah. Uh, of so then she was dragged off by stormtroopers, because now, remember, that Derricot requested Solistans in their roundups. So she's corralled up with others of her kind, and Errol is deemed to be a good specimen by General Derricot. And his orderly, Derek takes Errol, and they fulfill their quota. No. Bum, bum, bum. Can they not? Can this just not? Can we just stop reading now and just pretend everything's fine? Derricot says, go with him. You will have the best of care. In fact, I dare say you will have the best medical care available for the rest of your life. See, they're going to take care of her. <laughs> you can no. No. <laughs> No. That was the point when I broke my Kindle. How about the rest of you? Yeah, I, I almost got there, honestly. Oh, I get it. He means she's not going to live for much longer. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like this at all. Er- the moment they said they were going to get Celestin, so I was like, nope, Errol's in trouble. Errol. Like, no, we have oh. one in the group. <laughs> Convenient, we just got one. Uh-huh. This is not good. And she good. proved herself to be amazing. Ugh. This is less than well, ideal. Maybe we need to have more faith in dear Errol. Yes. Yeah. Because she has proved herself to be amazing. She's a goner. She has. Right? It's fine, right? It's yes. fine. Right? It's fine. No, right. she's, a, she's a goner. No. Mm. So, <laughs> anyway. Remember, incubation takes a while. <laughs> That's not helpful at all. Nope. <laughs> it's Thanks, fine. Mag. They'll use fact on nope. her. Nope. <clears throat> live. It'll be fine. Remember, the alliance is always going to try to save their own. We do exactly. have the back, we do have the back to queen after all. If she's good for anything, it better be getting some back to. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, now you can continue, Danny. No, we'll <laughs> or he. Let, we'll let Heath do it. Okay. Okay. Speaking of captured Celestins, last week we asked you all. How do you think Kirtan Lore has decorated his quarters? <laughs> Jonathan You're told really us that. With yourself, aren't you? <laughs> I really. <laughs> He's no like, one else. This is a terrible segue. <laughs> no, no one else laughed, but I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Um, Jonathan said the walls are plastered with pages of the epic Grandma Tarkin fanfic. That's really good. Oh. That's really good. Um, Jay said he has curtains, curtains everywhere, and he also wants to appreciate, he wants people to appreciate his wit and likes young Tarkin, but they just sigh. Oh. Sarah said he thinks it's classic, elegant, wealthy minimalism, but it actually looks like a collage of the Walmart bargain bin. Oh. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. Oh, that's sad. That's so sad. Sad, but kind of accurate. <laughs> Brian said he has it decorated in the most drab and boring decor ever, and also incompetently. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just like just him. Like everything else he does. There's like a poster of Imperial propaganda, but it's like hanging 90 degrees the wrong direction. <laughs> It's like, oh, that looks great. Perfect. <laughs> I'm such a good Imperial. There's like a dead <laughs> plant in the corner. Number one Imperial. <laughs> so he, he probably has a number one Imperial sign in his room. Well, he's got like a mug that the says mug. it that he, that he like, himself. He like finger painted it himself. <laughs> it hangs above his bathroom mirror. Number one Imperial. <laughs> Okay, anyway, we had a chance to answer this last week. I won't keep doing it. Yeah, we're totally <laughs> taking the spotlight from our listeners right now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Matthew Appleby said, Laura would have a poster of Tarkin with the face cut out and taped on a mirror, so when he looks into it, he sees himself as Tarkin. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that's, really, that's really good. Luke Brywalker said... He strikes me as the kind of person that might have a crazy photo collage wall full of Isard and Corin. Hashtag pash out. Oh, that's creepy, but I like it. Yeah. You know he's into it. Right. He wants to be the, <laughs> wants to be the filling in that sandwich. Kind of like Carrie in Homeland, who has yeah. like that crazy wall. Yeah. Um, ben said, Laura's room is full of collages of him and Corin, except the photos are selfies and Corin doesn't know he's in most of them. <laughs> Just, like, with corn in the background, strategically placed. Like, oh, there he is. <laughs> it's just him pointing over his shoulder while looking really excited. Right? Oh, my God, it's corn horn. Corn. Oh, my God, we the same kind of instant noodles. <laughs> Andrew said, in Laura's quarters, he has five fluffy toy Ewoks that he gets out when doors are seek securely locked oh my god hey meg has that too wow <laughs> uh, mine are not secret and i have much more than five meg i think andrew just compared you to kirtan lore <coughs> she's way cooler kirtan wishes he could be like her yeah, yeah. not really anything like target <laughs> i don't have the cheekbones and finally raising fangirl says he definitely has the rogue squadron calendar the swimsuit edition P.S. Cornhorn is February. <laughs> Will someone fan art that for us? I really uh, want this to be a thing so bad. We we need to. Okay, I'm gonna start planning ahead for next year, and we can make it a yeah. thing for 2017. Oh my god, yeah. yes! The Rogue Squadron calendar swimsuit edition. Oh my gosh, there's twelve of them. Well. We know that Corin, I guess, has to be February. That's I'm going to make Tycho be the 11 other months. So. <laughs> what about Wedge? Wow, major anti-alien sentiment going on right now. <laughs> I mean, that that's just my edition. <laughs> I'll make multiple editions. Okay, okay. okay. Good. Will one of them just be Lou Jane for me? Yes. <laughs> It'll be Lou Jane and then Yuri just and Isard all together. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Okay, I'm happy. So thank you, Raising Fangirls, for that suggestion and project. <laughs> <laughs> we got stuff to do. <laughs> Did we Should we have a discussion, discussion uh, question? Should, 
do we want to make that our discussion question? Like, what would your ideal month be for that calendar? Yeah. Describe yes. your favorite favorite Rogue Squadron cal- pinup calendar month. Who is it, and what are they doing? Yes, yes, there you oh go. Oh, my God. That is amazing. So for this this week's question, we want to hear from you. What is your ideal Rogue Squadron swimsuit edition calendar pinup month? Who is in the shot, and what are they doing? <laughs> and remember, this is Rogue Padron, so keep your answers appropriately trashy. weird. Uh, <laughs> appropriately weird. Trashy. <laughs> I want Wedge and Tycho playing beach volleyball. Oh my gosh, like all a all a, a Top Gun? Yes, absolutely. They're going to be so greased up. Yep. I want oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> I want uh Errol and Oral on a classy Italian dinner date at a fancy restaurant, like all dressed up in suit and tie and like fancy gown. And uh, Nawara Ven with his cape as their server presenting the wine for the evening. Danny, this is the swimsuit edition. <laughs> I think you kind of. <laughs> That's fine. I still really like it. <laughs> it's good. It's just going to be a little out of place. <laughs> it can be November when it's a little bit chillier outside. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Winter at the beach. Uh, mine is obviously going to be of Gavin, but it's going to be a riff on that one sunscreen girl whose, like, underwear is pulled down a little bit to show off, like, oh, she's burned. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? They make fun of it anymore. Yeah, right? Hold on, I'm Googling it. But obviously that's of Gavin, and he's looking, like, super shocked. Like, oh my gosh. But Sheil in the background... I don't know, being like, Gavin, cover yourself up. What is that? I don't know. They Man, make fun I of honestly, Copper I Tone. I don't The Copper Tone girl. Yeah. Right. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's like on the sunscreen yeah. bottles. Right, because the dog is like, yeah, the dog is pulling, like pulling on her yeah. bottoms. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't read enough pinup calendars. Just think of a of a sexy beach scene and who would you want there? Like for you being cute and happy and alive. Oh my god, no, I want her on like oh, a flamingo. And alive. <laughs> a flamingo oh. like You don't want zombie DJ? <laughs> what are those things called? Like flotation thingies. Like a flamingo one. And she's on that with a cocktail and she's inner looking tube? happy. That's pretty yes. cute. Like a flamingo one though. Flamingo inner or a space flamingo. That's a Ooh, yeah. or what if it was Lou Jane towing around in Yuri in the floaty because she doesn't know how to swim? Oh my god, yes. It's so cute. I want that so bad. Gotta get the sister love in there. I want it. I really want it. Gosh, we're weirdos. Say. I know. I love it. Listeners, I you love gotta it. get real weird with us this week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh dear. Appropriately weird. Appropriately yeah, appropriately weird. Well, so if you want to be appropriately weird at us, <laughs> you can tweet at us. Um, <laughs> what were you saying, Danny? Nothing. Go on. Please tweet at us. Please, Please. tweet at us. Um, at Rogue Podger. I can't wait to And you get these. so many <laughs> yeah, points if you tweet us the actual image. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
please do that. Like, we, I'll we literally want you to be take you for a ride in my X-Wing if you do that. <laughs> you have an X-Wing? You've been taking me for a ride in your X-Wing, Danny. Why don't you come to visit Danny? <laughs> Danny, why are you like this? <laughs> well, <laughs> it goes way back to my childhood. Jenny, <laughs> why are you? I'm tweeting it. I'm tweeting. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Danny. But I want to run your X-wing. It's okay. A lot of the kids in my classes today were asking the same question. <laughs> so as I was saying, if you want to get appropriately weird with us, you can tweet us answers to our question at Rogue Podron, or you can email us roguepod at farfarwayradio.com. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com and you subscribe to us via the Far Far Away radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and FeedBurner. Okay, listeners, there's only four missions left for this book. So next time, we have X-Wing Wedges Gamble, chapters 27 through 32. And with that, this is Rogue Podron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. So many pews. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six, signing off. Rogue Seven, signing off. Rogue Three, signing off. <laughs>